O Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight. O God, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. I have a confession to make. The Gospel of John used to be my favorite gospel. I love the mystery, the imagery, the poetic language, the big ideas, the use of big metaphors, fruit, vine, bread, wine, sheep, the good shepherd, the word made flesh. The Gospel of John is sometimes known as the spiritual gospel, and it does have a grand contemplative bent to it. But these days, I'm finding it hard to connect with John and his big, beautiful, universal vision. It's like watching close encounters of the third kind when I'm needing to watch the All Creatures Great and Small miniseries instead. John's gospel is beautiful and meaningful and has its place in the canon, for sure. But where I'm at right now, John's language is too general, too big. These days, I'm seeking and sometimes finding God in the small, concrete things, in the particular, in the dailiness of ordinary yet not so mundane life. Love one another, Jesus commands. Love is a grand and often used word these days. But what kind of love is he talking about? Love in general, with no context, is like a print of the word love in block letters with the O leaning up against the L connected to the V, connected to the E, suitable for framing and hanging in your apartment or in the form of a wood cutting you can place on your desk. You can find both versions at the Target or Walmart in the interior decorating section. Love, in general, is the Beatles song. All you need is love. All you need is love. All you need is love. Love. Love is all you need. Love in general is like the heart emoticons people use on Facebook or in texting to love things instead of like things. And I sometimes wonder, is there a general difference in attitude, a more loving outlook perhaps that separates the people who usually love what is said from the people who usually like what is said. Preacher, teacher, and author Barbara Brown Taylor in her book, An Altar in the World, writes, when I first came to Christian faith in college, people I barely knew made a habit of telling me they loved me. They were Christians too, and I guess it was their way of welcoming me to the family. I did not mind exactly, but since they barely knew me, I was not sure what they were talking about. 
Did they love the way my right foot turned out so that I left tracks like a penguin on the beach? Did they love my willingness to make hand-printed signs for Bible study? Did they love the way my upper lip disappeared when I laughed? I decided to find out. So the next time one of the Christians said she loved me, I asked her why. She made a surprised face like, I should already know. Because God loves you, she said, throwing both hands in the air. I love you because God loves everybody. Barbara continues, this may sound small, but I decided that was not enough for me. I did not want to be loved in general. I wanted to be loved in particular, as I was convinced God loved. Plus, I am not sure it is possible to see the face of God in other people if you cannot see the faces they already have. What is it that makes that face different from every other face? If someone throws a blindfold over your own eyes right now, could you say what color those other eyes were? If you had to send someone into a crowded room to find this person, what detail would you use to make sure she was found? No, our creator and our friend Jesus love one another and love us in very particular, very specific ways, and therefore we are to love one another as well. Love one another, Jesus says. Is he talking to his weary, fearful disciples as they realize that he's about to be arrested and killed, leaving them alone to fend for themselves? Or is he talking to the members of John's congregation in A.D. 100, faced with conflict with the Jewish synagogues and increasing persecution from the Roman Empire? Perhaps he's saying to them, through John, love one another, as in you need to take care of one another. You need to stick together to make it through these trials. Or... Is Jesus speaking to us today, living in a country that is divided politically, with people hardly able to sit in the same room together, much less speak to one another in a civil way about their disagreements? A country that is, in many ways, has not changed since the killing of George Floyd two years ago a country that may be facing more division, more hatred, more fear, and possibly more violence as the upcoming election cycle begins again. What does love one another as I love you mean to Christians in a world of greed and violence where the church itself is often guilty of collaborating with empire to maintain the status quo. What exactly does love look like in all of these situations? I want to know the specifics. How do I love these people, these creatures, these gifts of creation that are right in front of me or on the other side of the world and I hear only about them in the news? 
I do know two things about this kind of love that Jesus asks us to share. It seeks the good of the other, even to the point of giving up one's own life, and it is a reciprocal love as between friends flowing in at least two directions, maybe even more. Other than that, I find it easier to talk about times that I've experienced it rather than trying to describe it theologically. So, here goes. Love is when a colleague's son unexpectedly comes into the chapter room and takes a seat during the resident's weekly spiritual formation time. He clearly wants to be there, and he's clearly welcomed by all in the room. Our sense of community is expanded and enriched that morning by his presence. Love is when my friend who's undergoing chemotherapy calls me on a Sunday morning, and when I ask her how she's doing, says, I'm doing well, but I don't want to talk about me right now. How are you doing? You know, I get so tired of having the focus on me and my health in every conversation with friends. What helps me is to hear about what's going on in other people's lives. It reminds me that there's still life going on around me outside my little world of treatment. Love is when the repairman's dog, who looks like old Yeller, is standing outside the front door with his nose one inch away from the glass, mournful eyes, obviously waiting to be let in. I know that a few months ago, someone allowed him to come rest in the garden while his owner worked, even though it's against Richmond Hill rules. And I know he's remembering that time and wanting to go back there again. I can't let him in, but I do bring him water in a bowl that has hearts on it, and Anthony feeds him turkey. We are rewarded by tail wags and intensified efforts to get into the building. (laughs) Love is growing to love the two tall trees that stand as sentinels on either side of the Monticello Trail, my favorite walking place in Charlottesville. They stand just past the third footbridge up the trail, forming a natural gateway through which I pass going up and pass going back down. When no one is looking, I do, per- I do pat the bark. Love is my friend, Lucy, my former walking companion in Charlottesville, who texts me now and then saying, I walked by your trees today and thought of you. The love that Jesus evokes in us expands outside our circle of personal acquaintances as well to embrace strangers. Love is looking into the face, eye to eye, of the clerk at the CVS as you check it out. 
He says, how are you today? You reply, great, how are you? He replies, I'm great too. Any day that I'm still above ground and kicking is a great day. I say, I can't hear that often enough. Thank you. Loves a group of Ukrainian Benedictine sisters who are forced to abandon their home in the midst of bombing attacks. They arrive in a monastery in Lviv. They join with other brothers and sisters and to form a new community, taking in hundreds of refugees, including children and several newborn babies. The emails they send out to the rest of the world are filled with purpose. And finally, love is the anger and sadness of watching and listening to a man in the news who you're pretty sure has never known real love in his life and therefore finds it hard to love others. Lack of love has made him angry, hateful, self-absorbed, and a danger to others. My anger is due to the destruction he's causing, and I am sad because he's living a loveless life, which is no life at all. If even I feel this way, even just a little bit, then surely God's heart must be breaking. These are just a few of the small places I've seen love, the love Jesus talks about. I'm sure you've had your own experiences of this grand love made real little by little, bit by bit. Ordinary people, ordinary creatures, extraordinary parts of God's creation that we encounter every day but often go unnoticed. But when we do notice, something changes. The day becomes rich. Life becomes rich, rich with grace, thanksgiving, joy, and love. This love is capable of transforming people and changing the world. This love is powerful love, divine love, pure gift, pure grace. We can only recognize it, receive it, let it work in our hearts, then allow it to flow from us to others, bearing fruit that will last. It is the love of the Trinity, a dance of love that heals and saves. This is God's doing, and it is marvelous in our eyes. May you who are here tonight know this love right here and now in worship and in table fellowship. Amen. Amen.